Well, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to open your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to take a, a little detour away from the book of Mark. We've been in Mark uh, for a little while now, but uh, I'm going to take a break just for this Sunday. I'll come back to it next Sunday, but this morning uh, we're going to look at this text, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Let's read it together. The Bible says here, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I come today to this task of preaching this text of Scripture. And God, I am inadequate. Lord, in and of myself, God, I can't open hearts. I can't draw them to you. Uh, the best that I could hope for in my own effort would be to stir up emotion, would be to stir up and a response that is strictly based on uh, how well I tell a story or, or an illustration uh, or possibly how well there's an application. But God, ultimately, I can't do anything. All I have is you. Lord, I pray that you would be our teacher today. God, that you would open your word to us. Lord, that you would open our minds and our hearts to receive it, to comprehend it, and to be changed by it. Lord, we give you all glory and all praise. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. When we come to this text, I will give you some context in just a second, but I want to start with with this particular verse, the the very, very first part of verse 1. Uh, The the text here says, there is therefore now. Well, now is a great word, isn't it? Now. Doesn't that sound good? It's almost as good as new. (laughs) Uh, Now. Now is a good word. Y'all don't agree with me? You do? Okay, all right. Now is a good word. Let me show you what I mean. Now can be a very good word. Now could be used in the context of If you take me back to my childhood and starting at about Thanksgiving, looking forward to Christmas. And from Thanksgiving on up to Christmas, seeing presents being put under the tree. And going to the tree, not not daily, not even hourly sometimes, but sometimes minute by minute to see if there was another present for me. I didn't care about anyone else's presents. I wanted to see My presence under the tree. Anybody else besides me do that? All right. You go go to the tree. You pick up the presents. You shake them. You try to feel how much they weigh. You know, you you sniff them. You know, you do everything, you know, trying to figure out what it is. Um, I didn't sniff a whole lot of presents, but, you know, it just seems to work here. But you you, you do all that kind of thing. If you do like me, you you even got real good at, at... undoing the tape on one end, you know, and trying to peel it back and, and when no one was looking to see what the box was underneath, 
Anybody else do that? Yeah, see? Bunch of sinners. Anyway. <laughs> and every, every day, mom, dad, can we open a present early? Can we open just one? No. You got to wait. No, can, can we just open one, just one early? No, you have to wait. Well, when can we open them? Not now. And then finally the day would come. You'd wait and you'd wait and you'd wait and you'd come and Christmas morning was there. Can we open the presents now? As we're dragging the parents down the hall at three in the morning, you know? Can we open the presents now? Yes. Now you may open the presents. And then it was on, right? Wrapping paper going everywhere. Now's a good word. Now's a good word. Okay, fast forward. Some of you may not have dealt with that in your, in your childhood, but now there are things that you look forward to. Next week, I'll be, uh, I'll be on vacation, and I'll be at the beach. And I'm, Not next Sunday, but, but the, the following week. So y'all come next Sunday, all right? But I'll be at the beach, and I look forward to vacation. Is it time to go to vacation? My kids, my, my daughter particularly, on the refrigerator has made a countdown to vacation. How many days today? Seven today? Seven today. She's every day peeling it off. When's it time to go to vacation? There's going to come a day where it's now, right? Now's a good word. But now could also be a not-so-good word. Now could be a word that doesn't bring pleasure to us. One of the things that we go through on a regular basis at my house during the school year in particular is, when is it time to go to bed? Now, now it's time to go to bed. And as the school year goes on, it seems like it gets earlier and earlier. <laughs> but now, now's it. Oh, not now. Does it have to be now? Can't we stay up 30 more minutes? You know? Think about it. You go, you go on vacation and you're there. And when's it time to go home? It's, it's now. It's now time to go home. Now can be a good word. It can also be a not so good word. Here... If it depends on, I think, what comes before the now, I think it's important for us to find out what comes before this. See, what makes it good or bad is what comes before it. When is it time to open the presents? Now. When is it time to go to bed? Now. So what comes before this passage? What comes before Romans chapter 8, verse 1? There is therefore now. Let's find out what's before. Well, if we go back to the first seven chapters of Romans, let me give you the context of what we're looking at here. In the first seven verses, in fact, in the first, in the first seven chapters, in the first chapter itself, in verse 25, it talks about that we, all of us, have exchanged the truth for a lie. That every single one of us have worshipped the, the creature rather than the creator. That every single one of us have looked at what can be known clearly about God and all of creation. And then instead of embracing that and giving glory to the one who was behind it all, instead, we chose to do our own thing. You can go around the world literally today and you can go, go into places where they have no gospel. And you will find in those places a people group who look at creation and see that there must be a God beyond it. And they will carve all, all sorts of images 
They will pour images. They will begin to worship things like birds. They will begin to worship things like the sun. And instead of giving glory to the one that they obviously can see, they will boil it down to something that they can get their hands on. And all of us are guilty of that. We may not have taken a piece of wood and fashioned it after a bird in your backyard, but we all have looked at the revealed glory of God and chose to worship something else instead. All of us are guilty of this. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says that we have no excuse, that we stand before this God without excuse. Later on, it says that we are banking on the, the kindness of God, that we're presuming on the kindness of God, that, that even though we have rejected God and said, God, you're obviously here, but I'm going to worship this over here instead, and we stand before him guilty without excuse, so many people are banking on the fact that God is sweet, and God is loving, and God is kind, and if we'll just love him, and if we'll just serve him, and to the best of our ability, and if we'll just go to church and if we'll just be kind to people, then he'll forgive us. He'll, he'll wipe everything away. And the gospel is removed from that. There are people all over this planet that are banking on the fact that God is a nice God. That he is a, it's like a grandfather in the sky who just sits in the rocking chair and just loves his grandchildren and says, you know, I know they mess up, but they're really not that bad. And there's a whole lot of people that are banking on that, presuming that his kindness, his patience will, in the end, get them into heaven. But they forget, we forget often, that yes, he is a God of kindness. Yes, he is a God of forgiveness, but he is also a God of justice. We forget, Romans tells us, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says that the wages of that sin is death. That the wages of sin is death. We forget that this God who we're counting on just to wipe everything clean and just to accept us the way we are because he's so nice and he's so kind is also a God of justice. And he will punish sin. He will set things right. There will not be things that go undone. Then, if we go through chapters 1 through 7 and we see this, that we have rebelled against God, rejected Him as the rightful owner of glory, and we've chosen to go our own way and worship something else, and we stand before Him without excuse, presuming perhaps that He will just wipe us clean, but instead, He's a God of justice then this now, in chapter 8, verse 1, must be a bad now, correct? All of us now have what's coming to us. Well, if you're here today and you are without Christ, if you're not in Christ, if your, if your personal sins have never been confessed to God, You've never received the gift of the gospel today. You've never trusted him to forgive you of your sins in what he did on the cross. Then yes, this now is a bad now for you. This is a very bad now for you. But 
now can also be a good word. It can be a good word based not on what comes before it, but what comes after it. Look at what comes after it in this particular verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation. You know what that makes that now? That makes that now the best now I've ever heard. That makes the now of when can we open the Christmas presents seem weak. That makes the now of when is it time to leave for vacation seem pathetic. This now, followed by no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, is good. Amen? It's the best now we could ever hear. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Before we trusted Jesus to forgive us of our sins and make us right before God, we were condemned. We stood guilty before him without excuse. But now, those who have trusted Christ and are forgiven by him stand not condemned before the Father and stand righteous in his sight. Not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ that has been given to us. Amen? There is therefore now no condemnation. Look at what else it says. There's no condemnation. And look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Well, Jesus has set us free. Well, you say, what has he set us free from? Well, he set us free from the law of sin and death. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means this. There is an unwritten law on all of us. You can't look at someone and see it. You'll never, you'll never lift up the hair around the back of, of someone's neck and look and see the fine print of this law. But it's there. It's on all of us. There's a law of sin and death on all of us. Let me show you what I mean. How many of you saw this box when you walked in today before, before we came in here and out there? Did anybody look inside of it? Charles, you look inside of it? Charles looked inside of it. I can always count on Charles. Grayland, you look inside of it? Grayland didn't look inside of it. Way to go, Grayland. Wow. Were you tempted to look inside of it? Yeah. Here's, here's the law. Is that while, while some of you didn't look inside of it, I took this to camp with me, and I set this outside at camp, and here's what I saw at camp with all those third through sixth graders. They'd walk by it and... They'd look inside. And then I'd watch adults. I'd watch the camp staffers. And they would walk up to it and they'd say, don't look inside. <laughs> and I literally saw one camp staffer, a teenager there, and she had a group of third through sixth grade girls in her Bible study group. And she walked up to it and she did that and she kind of was expecting something to jump out. And instead of then going and looking to it herself, she took one of her fourth grade girls <laughs> and she shoved her toward the box and said, you, you look inside. So. And although you all have disproved my illustration today, that night when I asked them, I said, how many of you looked inside the box? Every hand in the room went up. It illustrates the law 
of sin and death on us. There's an unwritten law on us that while you may not have looked in today, there's a law on us. It's the law of human nature. It's the nature that we've inherited from our father, Adam. And it's the law of sin. That we're faced with temptation and we know what the law says. Do not look inside. But so many times we look. There's, a, there's an unwritten law there. You know, and I'll prove it to you another way. What does the yellow light mean on a traffic light? No, it doesn't mean slow down. So many of you, yeah, that's the church answer. It means slow down, get ready to stop. No, but the way you drive, it means you better beat that. Get through that, you know. Let me ask you this. Does a dog bark? Yes. Why does a dog bark? Because it's a dog, right? It's not hard. Does a cat meow? Yes. Why does a cat meow? Because it's a cat. Does a frog jump? Yes. Why does a frog jump? Because it's a frog. You would not expect to go out into your yard and call your dog to you. And your dog came up and you were to say, oh, who's a good boy? And your dog look up at you and say, <laughs> nor would you expect to, to go to the Quimby's house and see the turtle swim to the top and the turtle get to the top of the water and say, Meow. <laughs> why? Because the dog's a dog. The dog doesn't have the law of the cat written on the, law, on the dog. The dog barks because he's a dog. The cat meows because it's a cat. And cats do all sorts of things that I don't understand, but it's a law of the cat. And in the same way, we do what we do. We sin because we're sinners. We've inherited this nature from Adam. We were born sinners. It's what David was talking about when he said, In sin did my mother conceive me. He wasn't saying that what she was doing was sinful. What he's saying was that when I was born, I was born with a sinful nature. We sin because we're sinners. But the law of the life and the Spirit sets us free from the law of sin and death. And that's good news. Not only is there no condemnation for those who are in Christ, but also the law of the life in the Spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death. It means this. It means that now, because those who are of us who are in Christ and have the Spirit of God, the same one who raised Jesus from the dead, living inside of us, now, when we come to the temptations of life, we are no longer pulled by the nature of Adam that's in us. Instead, we've been given a new nature, the nature of Christ, the one who looked at all temptation, was tempted in all ways like we are, yet sinned not. We're given the nature of Christ in us to please God. To say no to sin. Not because we have to. Remember, those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation. 
We are justified completely before God, declared innocent, not guilty. But then also, the law of life in the Spirit sets us free from the unwritten law of sin and death on us. Do you see it? Not so that we can do all these things to become pleasing to God, but because we have been made pleasing to God, now He sets us free to please us, please Him all the more. That's good. It's a lot better than your response, I can tell you that. Look at verse 3. In verse 3 it says this, it says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, And then look at all of these next few words. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. See, here's the gospel. The gospel is the fact that while we were still sinners, while we were still drawn by this old, ugly nature, not simply to look into a box that says, don't look in the box, but to rebel against our God. To say that he has no right to really rule over me. I'll do my own thing. While we were still rebelling against him, Christ died for us. God sent his own son from eternity, what we sang about a minute ago. Sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was not sinful himself. He never sinned while he was here on earth. Never has sinned. Lived Perfectly. He is holy. He came, though, looking like us. He came taking on flesh like us. He came being tempted like us, but never sinning. Sin is, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. For whose sin? For your sin. For my sin. To condemn sin. See, all of us, all of us have been created by God. We've rebelled against Him. We've said, God, I know know what you did. I can look around and I can see the evidence of your work all around me. But you know what, God? I reject you. I reject you in my nature that I received from Adam, and I've rejected you willfully in the sin that I commit day in and day out. I reject you. I reject your authority over my life. God says in his word that since we've all rejected him, sinned against him, missed the glory of God, fallen short of it, that God has every right to execute wrath on us. God has every right to carry out what he told us, that the wages of sin is death. He has every right to punish us, to discipline us, to carry out his promised wrath on us. But instead, he looks at us and he sends his son. Every single one of us is in the position of discipline. Every single one of us is in the place where we ought to receive the wrath of God. But the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He sent his son, his son, in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin to condemn sin in the flesh. And what he did is he took us from the rightful place of condemnation and discipline and he took Christ 
and he put him in our place. And he carried out the wrath that was meant for us on his son. Carried out the wrath meant for us on his son. So that we could be set free. So that we could stand uncondemned. So that we could be declared innocent. So that we could be made righteous. The righteousness of Christ who never sinned who did not deserve to go to the cross, was given to us. And the sin and the consequences of that sin that we bore was placed on him. That's the gospel. The gospel is not simply, oh, God has a wonderful plan for your life, and if you'll just give your life to him, then everything's going to be hunky-dory. Now buy a t-shirt. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that we have rebelled against a holy God. We deserve to be punished with the eternal wrath of God, but instead of punishing us, he punished his son. And then on the third day, he was placed into the tomb. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. Do you see it? The law of life in the Spirit has set us free from sin and death. When Jesus came to John the Baptist in the wilderness and was baptized, and Jesus was placed under the water, and he came up out of the water, there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And in the same way, when Jesus was placed into the ground, And when he came out of the ground, it was in the same way God the Father saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. I am well satisfied. My wrath has been satisfied in his holiness, his righteousness, his sacrifice. And because it is, you and I stand not condemned. Verse 4. in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Salvation, receiving the gospel, I've said this so many times, you will get sick of it. Some of you probably already are, but that's okay. Receiving the gospel, salvation, is not walking an aisle. It is not praying a prayer. It is not filling out a card. It is not being dunked in water. Those are ways that we express it, but that's not what it is. We have so many people in our churches today that that's all they've done. That's it. And the evidence of that is that they go out and they live life just like they did before. And they go through the rest of their life confident that they're going to heaven based on walking an aisle, filling out a card, praying a prayer, and being dunked in water. I ask you this, church. Will that get you to heaven? No. There is 
only one name. There's no other name whereby men and women must be saved. And it is the name of Jesus Christ. It is him standing in our place to condemn sin. And what verse 4 is talking about is that when we receive that salvation, that gospel, when our trust is squarely on the shoulders of the finished work of Christ at Calvary to pay for our sins, to give us a new nature. Verse 4 is talking about the fact that then it will result in our living differently. And here's the kicker. Not because we have to, but because now it's who we are. We don't live righteous lives because we've somehow got to please God. We've somehow got to be our own propitiation. We've somehow got to turn His wrath to favor for us by living good enough. I got to go to church enough. I got to be kind to my neighbor. I got I to give enough money. I got to do all these things. And maybe one day, maybe in the end, it'll be enough. That's what the world believes in all of the other religions. But the reality of the gospel is it's finished in Christ. And when we, by faith, receive that solely by the grace of God, then it carries itself out with fruit of good works in our life. Not because we have to, but because now we can. Now we can. We couldn't before. The Bible says later on down in this chapter in Romans 8, it says that without Christ, it's impossible to please God. But now that we're in Christ, we have been made pleasing to God and we are being made pleasing to God. And that works itself out in our lives every day. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gospel. Father, we thank you for sending your son in the likeness of sinful flesh for our sin to condemn sin. Father, we thank you that the spirit of Life has set us free from sin and death. And God, I pray, Lord, would you give us an increasing awareness of your grace in our lives every day? Would you give us, God, more and more fruit every day as we depend on you, as we rely on you? God, I pray that we would see the work of the Spirit inside of us producing good works. And God, also, I, I pray that we would be about the business of disciplining ourselves for holiness. That we would seek after those things. Not because we have to, but because now we can and we get to. Lord, I pray that you would make us more and more and more pleasing to you every day. Lord, you're fully pleased in us. We know that. We know that's a reality. But God, I pray that 
in our practical daily living, in our holiness. God, that you'd make us more and more holy every day. That our lives would be our worship service. God, that the, the goal of our lives every single day would be to honor you, to glorify you, and to say there's nothing in this world that could contain the image of God. There's no sculpture of a bird. There's, there's no idol that I could look to. God, I pray for the one who's here today who's never received the gospel. God, it's my prayer that they would turn from their sin and God, that they would put their trust completely in you, Jesus, in the work that you accomplished on the cross and in the empty tomb. Lord, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ethan's going to play and sing. I want you to remain seated where you are. And I want you to reflect for just a minute or so on what you've heard. What you've heard from the Word of God and the Gospel today, just sit in your seat and just think it through. Think through, what does this mean for my life? What is it that God's calling me to? How does this change me? And then in just a little bit of time, Ethan will then call you to stand, invite you to sing along with him. And at that point, I'll come right back up here to the front. And I'll be here ready to receive you. If the Spirit of God moves you today toward himself, I'll be here to talk with you and pray with you through whatever it is that he's leading you to. But I'm asking you, just be obedient. Be obedient to the Spirit of God today. Ethan, you lead us.
Be seated. I'm going to ask um, Clay and Melissa to come right up here. And uh, Clay's been a member here a long time. 24 years? All right. And Melissa, you may have thought she's already a member. She's been here. She's been serving. She just got both of them just got back from New York. Uh, went to New York with a missions trip and all that. She's, she's been at everything but a member already. And so uh, today she comes um, from a Methodist background, and, uh, and she comes today saying that this needs to be where she serves, where she grows, this is where she wants to plant her life, and even if it means going into the water up there, <laughs> that she's willing to do that, and so uh, I think that's a wonderful thing, and church, if you will love her and pray for her and support her, and, and not just her, but, but them together as a family, would you just say, Amen. 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 They, are, uh, they will be here at the, at the close of the service, and you'll want to come by this way, uh, come around this way, and just hug them and, and uh, shake their hands and let them know that you'll be praying for them and that you love them, uh, and just welcome them to the family here at Abner Creek. Uh, tonight, you'll want to come back. Uh, Parker uh, has been with us all summer. Uh, hasn't Parker done a great job? Uh, and 
now it's time for Parker to go back to, uh, to the University of Georgia. Why he'd want to go to the University of Georgia, I have no clue. Uh, being from Knoxville, Tennessee, that's just really ugly to me. But uh, anyway, Parker's going to be preaching tonight. He's going to have the opportunity to share with you. And, and some of you have not had the opportunity to really meet him and hear from him. You'll want to come back tonight and hear Parker. Uh, Parker, I'm looking forward to that thoroughly. So can we pray together? We'll pray together and then we'll be dismissed, and you all will be here at the front. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, we are humbled at the fact that you love us. God, there is nothing in us that would cause you to love us. But God, you do. You've chosen to, and Lord, for that, we say thank you. Lord, I pray that we'd go out of this place, and the Spirit of God that lives inside of us who are in Christ would produce lives of thankfulness. God, that we would seek to be pleasing to you, not because we have to, but because now we can and now we get to. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a good day.